My name is Rick Napier, the founder of Real People USA, located in California. And today we have a guest. His name is Ruben Young. He's a candidate, a Florida candidate for Congress in District 23, which is uh, most of, uh, well, some of Broward County and a little bit of uh, Miami-Dade County. And today we will talk about something very interesting, just to give people uh, a, a backdrop of just to give people a backdrop of what this might be about. Everybody kind of knows that something happened in the November 2020 election. And even if you say, okay, nothing really, maybe not have happened, we can still kind of look at what's going on now and what Ruben is going to talk about uh, to give our listeners some insight on how some of this stuff may even start. So without further delay, I would like to welcome to the Real People USA show, uh, congressional candidate, Florida District 23, Ruben Young. Good morning, Ruben. How are you doing? Uh, good morning, Rick. And uh, again, thank you for a warm and kind introduction. I'm doing just fine. Thank you for having me. All right. So we were talking probably less than eight hours ago because we started talking about something. And what we were talking about was your petition drive to get signatures on petitions so that you can run for Congress in District 23. And I know that you have collected probably something like 1,500 of these things, these signed petitions. And for people who may not know exactly what that is, to run for Congress in Florida and probably some of the other states, you have to get people to sort of endorse you, sign their name to a form and put their correct uh, date of birth and some address and, and signature. And then uh, the candidate takes that information and they, they send it to the counties uh, where the person you know supposedly got the signature from so they can verify that that uh, uh, voter is registered and that person is uh, eligible to sign a petition. So this is when it gets interesting. So Ruben, can you tell the listeners what you've been going through with this petition process particularly how it seems like the the, the system is rigged and that's I'll just say it like that okay well let me let me begin by saying that this this year I've been kind of pleased with the uh, with the uh, Florida division of election and I want to thank God for of various employees that work there, excuse me, that works in the department, within the department, uh, who, who's trying to do what's right. Now, it's been a it's been a challenge, it's been a uh, struggle, but at the same time, it's also been rewarding. Because running on a petition, I tell people I am a petition candidate, and running on a petition, uh, you get a chance to act, actually uh, meet uh, voters and most of all you get a chance to meet patriots you know there's a lot of patriots willing to do whatever they have to do uh, with limited resources you know but the the challenge is when I, I i turned my petitions in just recently and i know i turned about uh 14 uh 14 to 1500 petitions but i also sent a letter where i, where I actually sat down at a computer and I made sure that they were uh, the people that I had was active and uh, active in, within the system. 
And I found it to be interesting enough to know that all I sat there and took that time to verify those third, those 14, 1500 uh, uh, persons who gave me their trust because people have to believe in you. They have to see that, uh, they have to believe in you and have to trust you. And they have to see that you're not gonna be somebody that's gonna try to take advantage of them. And uh, everywhere I've gone thus far, a lot of people have heard of me. Maybe either uh, part of my social media platform where they follow me on Facebook, uh, Instagram, or Twitter. So my name has been pretty much getting around. But when I turned my petition in, in some counties, some counties, uh, they accept the petition as is. They, they accept the uh, affidavit, the hardship affidavit as is. And, and I don't have any problem. I didn't have any problem with some counties. But then you do have counties that try to find everything they can, try to look at everything they can, every technocrat are looking at every way that they can to reject a petition. You know, in Miami-Dade County, I actually went down to the election department and I sat down and I got on their computer and the ones that I could not verify uh, by the voter lookup, you know, the Florida Division of Election, they have a voter lookup where if you want to see if a person is active, you can actually sit down and put their name in and put the information in from the petition and it'll tell you that that's a very valid or very active voter. But then the, the, kick, the flip side to that, they may be an active voter, but they come back and they say that, oh, well, the, the signature, the signature on file, uh, the signature on file did not match or that this person was ineligible. Uh, that, that means that they probably hadn't voted in a while or they had not changed their address from a previous uh, address or a previous county. So they hadn't done that. So those are also disqualified. And uh, and then uh, uh, up uh, in uh, other counties, I don't want to call their name. I mean, this is not about, this is not the blame game. I'm not doing that this morning, but but at the same time, I'm talking about the discrepancies and what and what certain counties. I'm going to imagine they are Democratic. They are Democratic counties, and those Democratic supervisors of elections, uh, they try to throw they try to throw them on me. They try to say that, uh, well, you know, sir, this uh, this this voter is not in your district. And a good thing I I, I knew because I I got that information early on that we are now in a reapportionment year. And in a, during a reapportionment year, where they are redrawing the lines, that that happens every ten years, where they redraw the lines, you know, a congressional candidate or a state candidate can travel throughout the state and gather signatures. So, you know, if you go online right now to the Division of Election, you go to my name, you click on petition, you see, you see all, uh, you see all these counties that have accepted my petition without issue. And that's public record, right? Yeah, that's, that's public record. I, I hear a lot of background noise. I'm just, <laughs> but yeah, that, that's a uh, that's public record, and uh, you can anyone can go online and go to the division of election and uh, take a look at take a look at that. So you know, that's what that's one of the things that I, I had to explain to them that because of the fact, and they should already know this. I should not have to explain anything to them. They should already know this. Interesting. So what you're saying is because we are in a reapportionment year, you can be in Miami-Dade County and meet 
a someone who wants to sign your petition all the way in Pensacola, which is almost close to the, the Florida Alabama border, and that person can sign your petition, and it counts. Well, yeah, and and that and, and that's what I mean. I I can go to anywhere throughout this state. A uh, person doesn't have to be in my district. Uh, you know, as a congressional representative, we we actually represent the United States, but we have a part of we have a part of a district. Uh, but when we go come together in Congress, we're supposed to address uh, address every place throughout the United States, so we can make sure that the the resources are redistributed uh, into the various parts throughout this country. But yes, sir, I can go anywhere in the in the state of Florida, and I can collect the signature. Anyone, I mean, they're not voting for me. That's not a vote, and I like people to understand that. But these supervisors of elections. These supervised elections, uh, and, and, and like I said, a lot of candidates may not know, but I know that this is a reapportionment year. So I had to tell at least two supervisors of elections that they must they must consider turning accepting that that particular petition because uh, well, I'm in Miami-Dade, Broward, and that was in a place I'll call St. Lucie County, and another place you know on, on the map uh, to try to inform me that. Uh, that petition is out of my so I'm glad I was able to, to, to express that to them because it may have helped the other candidates where uh, they may not have had the same information I had and, the, and therefore though their petition was turned down which it should not have been turned down and in another county Rick, supervisor of election tried to explain to me that during a year of reapportionment uh, a, uh, a petition should not have the district and I, I took exception to that because the form that I had came from the Florida Division of Election. And when he explained to me, he uh, brought a statue up to me, 99.0651. And he brought that up with every good intention. I want to believe that he actually thought that, you know, that referring me to a statue would make it so. But supervisor elections are uh, officials, they are not attorneys. And whenever they have any questions, the first thing they should do is check with the general counsel with the Florida Division of Election or other sources because they should not try to interpret a statute that they may or may not be familiar with. And when there's any questions about interpretation of, of state law, and because they are local officials, their goal and their job is to assist the state with a with an election. And, and so they're like the middleman. Uh, the, the the vote count goes to them, and then once they tally up to verify, then it goes off to Tallahassee to their mainframe computer, and then they get a, a chance. They get a chance to tally up the vote, and they make the official count because the, the vote count doesn't stop in uh, in a county. It stops uh, in a, a state. But we know when it comes to congressional races, I believe. That, that, that local election officials should not be touching those ballots at all. That those ballots immediately should be transmitted to the House of Representatives. And it's the House of Representatives that should take the lead to count, uh, to take the lead and count those ballots from those congressional races. I think that's what the Constitution state. And I think that the dates that the Constitution uh, put in place for congressional election to take place, in general law, it says that. Very elections should not be mixed with local elections 
And that's in the state of Florida. It says federal elections should not be a part of any elections for municipal officers or county officers. Those races should be completely separate and apart from those other local or city races. But in Miami-Dade County, and I believe in Broward County, you see congressional races mixed all in with local and county races, which, you know, Florida general law says something completely different. In every county or every uh, local government official, which these local governments are just political subdivisions. And a political subdivision assists, was created to assist the state with whatever their uh, uh, duties are because during the early day of the, of the formation of these state constitutions, you only had a clerk. And as the counties begin to grow, uh, the state voted uh, to bring in a reinforcement to bring in assistance. And this is why uh, in most state uh, constitution, they create these uh, political subdivisions. And these political subdivisions, they create these municipalities. So so a candidate have to know, a, 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 have to know a, a special congressional candidate. A congressional candidate must know how the formation of the government is established. Because when that person was talking to me about 99.0651, and I read the statute, but the, 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 the flip side to that, the form that every candidate got off the, uh, got off the Florida State of the uh, Florida Division of Election website, that was a legal and lawful uh, petition. And the reason is that because every candidate I don't carry. I don't carry uh, in my back pocket uh, that particular statute that that local supervisor election referred to that ninety nine point oh six five one. So, but, but when I run and I file, it is the, the responsibility and the duty of the uh, candidate handbook or or the state to inform me that I am doing something in that handbook that may not be lawful. And when I spoke to the uh, to an individual that deals with the petitions in the state. And the reason uh, being a reapportionment year, the state had not gotten around to redoing their form. So therefore, the form that was on the website was the legal and lawful form. And every candidate must follow a process to ensure that they're not doing anything uh, in violation of our, our state law. So I followed the instructions of the state. I followed the instructions of the form. But be as it may, uh, there were some misinterpretations uh, either or some misguidance of the process and, and and an effort to try to disqualify disqualify some of my petition to make it much more difficult for me to get on the ballot by petition so you know after uh after those conversations with those two counties in that area they uh they returned the the ones that they rejected so if you're a candidate out there and you had a disqualification of a of a uh of a petition because of the fact that uh, you had on your uh, you had on your petition form the district, then you should contact that county and ask them uh, to return or reconsider, uh, re- reconsider putting that back in. Because according to the state, uh, that that uh, ballot or that petition that petition should not be rejected uh, based upon the statute ninety nine point oh six five one because the state did not have an opportunity to redo all the forms. And because they didn't have an opportunity to do, redo, redo the form, I'm not an attorney. 
I'm just somebody to read our statute with, good, with a pretty good, a fair interpretation as a lay person because I also have a paralegal background. I've gone through paralegal training. I have not yet completed that degree, but I got uh, I got enough of those courses under my background to understand shepherdizing and to understand legal research and to understand legal legal writing. So I have that on my my belt, but a lot of candidates may not have that type of background. But I'm in, you know so Rick, this is a lot of finagling because. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to stop. When uh, there was a special election for District 20, Florida District 20, that's the that's the seat that Alcee Hastings used to hold. And we had a Latisa Jones. Uh, she had about 2,000 petitions to get on the ballot for the special election. But that same issue came up where you had all these counties uh, up there in the panhandle rejecting and would not accept those ballots from her. Because of the fact that they said this, pretty much the same thing they did that they said to me that these ballots, uh, these petitions, was not from her district, so they they refused. So she didn't qualify for the special election. So she went back to the regular election in 2022. But she had the she had the uh, the petitions to get in the special election. But there's a, but there's a lot of forces at work when the Democratic candidates. When they turn their petitions uh, into these counties, like in Broward County, whatever the counties are, they filled the petitions out on the third, and their petitions was accepted on the third. All of them, except for a couple of candidates that they may not like. But the major candidate that was running, they qualified. You could see where the petition was filled out on the third. They turned it in on the third and qualified the same day they turned them in. But you, if you're a Republican candidate, uh, they're looking for every opportunity. I turned in close to 700 in Miami-Dade County, and a lot of those got, dis- got disqualified because of ineligibility, or they said the signature did, did not match, so on and so forth. And they gave me about 428, which I'm happy about that, because I already said that if I come out with about 400, I would be happy. I turned in X amount in Broward County. I turned in X amount over what they gave me in in Broward County, Palm Beach County, and those numbers were a little lower, which I'm glad they did not reject me to the point they gave me zero because now I'm at 1123. And so at least they didn't put me under a thousand. So all I got to do is go back out here and get another 1400, which it took me about three, four months to get uh, to get the 1600 because I was out there hustling. I was out there hooking and crooking and I got enough signatures to where I didn't want anybody to say that they own me. When I go to the floor, I want to be able to vote on behalf of the people in my district without feeling compromised. So I don't, don't have a lot of money, but I have a lot of heart. I have a lot of guts. And that's all I have to say about it, Rick. Well, just for our listeners, for those who may not understand uh, Florida talk, I just want to let our listeners know that I'm a native Floridian. So when you said hooking and crooking, that was actually just means you were working hard. That's the translation. Yes. The translation for that uh, that that idiom or that uh, slang language, which I am very familiar with, being a Tampa native, but I just want to let listeners know that uh, you see, listeners can see what's going on. Listeners can see that, or yeah, they can hear, not see, but they can hear some of the uh, the trials and tribulations that Republicans go through just to make it to the ballot, and I didn't know. As you just mentioned, that the ballots that the Democrat candidates, um, you know, uh, uh, had signed and 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 sent in, were approved the same day. That's yeah. amazing. Okay, so 
The second thing, for people listening to this episode, if you live in the state of Florida, uh, you can see how hard Ruben is working to be to be on, on the ballot. And I can tell you, we're going to talk about this, this next subject. We got two more subjects to talk about. One is beauty and one is something that's ha- that happened in Georgia. And that's that'll probably be a, that will probably probably be a short one. But if you are listening to this podcast episode and you live in the state of Florida, you can tell that Ruben has to be the most knowledgeable person running for Congress in the state of Florida and possibly in the entire United States. So please, if you hear if you hear this message, go to Ruben's website and it says there's a link that says sign my petition petition. Please download that petition and and, and complete it. Uh, make sure it's legible. Your name can be read. Your date of birth can be read. Your address is clearly written and sign it as much as possible close to how you signed your original document. That may have been 10 or 15 years ago, but try to remember how you signed it because it seems like if the signature is slightly off because maybe you are 10 or 15, 20 years older today than you were, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, maybe your signature is slightly different. Is that is that what you see or is that what you think is happening, Ruben? And that's exactly what I, I think is happening. A lot of the voters have been voters for a number of years and, you know, and everything changes over time. People, signatures change. I, I, I used to write with my right hand and I, I used to write in a, a certain way, uh, you know, that was recognizable. But I also now write with my left hand, so I've learned to write with both hands. But I, but I've gotten older, so my signature I can see this is a bit off because it changed over over the years, and I think it changed because it was being uh, it was being duplicated, and I was trying to prevent people from uh, uh, stealing the way I signed because my in the beginning it was very basic. I just wrote my R like you write your R, you know, uh, that they the way they taught you. And I, and I wrote it in a way uh, in cursive, where you you can see R U B I M. So now I write it like a doctor. I just make a little circle with a little hook in the, in the back of it, a little tail. And so mm-hmm. that, I know that signature would be off, but that's the signature that I have updated in the election department because I want them to have the most current way I sign my uh, write my signature. So if that's what I think is going on. A lot of people have gotten older. A lot of people have gotten wiser. A lot of people have uh, altered their signature. But because of the fact when you're voting, they're looking for uh, the, the, you have a lot of technocrats. And because you have a lot of technocrats, uh, they're going to go and they're going to try to look look at look at everything that they can look at to disqualify. Because a lot of those persons down there have a they have a one party agenda. They may be part of a particular party, and they're doing everything they can in that in that capacity to support whatever their party, uh, whatever their party platform is. And, and if you are a Republican and they are a Democrat, they're not gonna they're not gonna just stand for the job. And this is just my opinion. They're not gonna just do the requirements of the job and leave the politics outside the door and they walk to that door in the morning to go to work they're supposed to leave that Democratic Party right at their door leave that Republican Party at that door and pick them up at 5 o'clock or whatever, whatever time that they are leaving the job they say okay now I'm off y'all come back and y'all can get on my back now because we're leaving we're going home but you don't bring that to work 
So I think that's what's going on, Rick. Uh, and that's I think that you're making a call for voters to uh, to uh, make sure that, they, that this way they signed 20 years ago. And if there's any changes, this just give this just update your signature at the election office. Excellent, excellent. Okay, Mr. Young, the the next subject I want to talk to, and this one stunned me because, you know, in, in my um, in, in my past life, well, not my past life, my current life, but just looking back, places I have worked, I've worked as a consultant, I've worked as a uh, sales executive at a Fortune 500 company in Los Angeles. I've worked at an operations in the operations department at a at a company with the size of 25,000 employees in California and Washington State. And so I have a consultant way of thinking. And I was talking to you about three months ago and we were talking about the subject of, you know, candidates running and candidates running for office like it's a beauty contest. And I was just really speaking off the cuff because I've always said that. I tell CPAs, I tell attorneys, I tell dentists that, um, you know, you can't expect to be the, the best small business owner just on your looks. And so I've been saying this for years. It hasn't been nothing new, nothing I made up when I when I started uh, working with you and talking with you. But you told me just last night that this thing about beauty in political races is a revelation that I haven't uncovered. And I find I find that fairly shocking. What do you got to say about that? All right, so you know the, the the subject matter that we're covering, as far as a beauty and the beast. Uh, you know, some candidates are very good-looking candidates, but they don't have any substance. Then you have some candidates that people may consider beastly, may not consider to be a, that attractive, but that may be the candidate with the most knowledge. That may be the candidate with the most experience, and that may be the candidate with the most substance and the candidate with the most commitment, because the, the, we're we're now electing these attractive people uh, and you know good looks I was a salesperson I was a promotion and marketing person I I helped build a team door knocking team I met a guy many years ago named Larry Meadows and Kevin Meadows with two guys Larry, Larry and Kevin Meadows and they were some of the best trainers the best uh, grassroots uh, best self generating type of people I've ever met in my life and from that, that was a transference onto me. And I led, uh, start building uh, promotion teams and marketing teams. And, and so, you know, marketing people such as yourself, we look at marketing promotion uh, with, with a, a different take. And in sales, there's nothing wrong with having good looks. But, but, but still, that those good looks doesn't qualify you for it. A, uh, a sales and marketing position. It may, on the outside, because of uh, whatever the employer is looking for, maybe good looks is, is something that is a requirement uh, in this business because of the, of the promotion and thinking that they can send you out to various areas, talk to various counties, and your good looks is going to knock them off their feet, and that, and that lands a contract without any explanation. They just sign on the dollar line because they're looking at looking at your physique, they're looking at how pretty the face is, and that's with both men and women. So they're looking at the outside, but that person may be the, the worst person that you want to be the want to be in business with. So this is what's going on in the in the uh, in the political arena, and you hit it right in the head because we have a lot of good looking, attractive candidates. You know, a lot of good looking 
of female candidates and a lot of good male candidates, but they may not have the, the, the substance. They may not have the experience. And that doesn't give them the qualification to go to Congress and represent you on that level. Because this is serious business. Uh, running for Congress, the Congress position is the highest office, one of the highest offices in the land. If you go back to the early formation of the Constitution, the only position that you had back in, 17, in the 1700s, 1779 and all those other places, you only had U.S. representatives. We didn't have commissioners. We didn't have local council persons. You had, you had U.S. representatives because the way the Constitution was written, it placed government at the lowest level so the congressional representative listened to the we the people and then they took that that message or they took those concerns and problems directly to congress or directly to the floor but they, but the but the qualifications that get mixed up over the years because we got all these layers of bureaucracy so now you have all these attractive candidates running and i tell people from the conversation that me and you had i, I uh, my part of my platform or part of my discussion is I know one thing I learned on the campaign uh, trail. I learned that uh, running for Congress is not a beauty contest. I tell them if it was, I know I wouldn't win because I don't look good in lipstick or, or, or high heels. And then I tell them that I know people tell me I look like a frog with a hat on. I say, I know, I know, I do look like a frog with a hat on until my naysayers, I want to say this to you, ribbit. Ribbit. See, that's a message behind what I'm saying, Rick. That's a, a marketing message behind what I'm saying. I'm saying I may not look good on the inside, but I look good on I may not look good on the outside, but I look good on the inside because I have the, the legislative experience. I work for the Florida House of Representatives. I helped draft the bill. I dealt with the appropriation request. I served a, a large district and I helped the constituents. I managed the district. I was the district legislative assistant too for a state representative. And we had over 175,000 people that I had to serve. I provided them with constituent services. That means in part of the constituent services, I made sure that they put those local organizations put in their appropriation requests so they can request money from the state to continue to fund the various uh, programs that was in the district that of importance. I provided information when resources came down and the state sent it to the state representative. I ensured that these these uh, these organizations and these cities that was that's within our district knew of the information that was coming down. And you know, I didn't withdraw the information. So constituent services is what I pride myself in as being a representative. And that's what I'm talking about, Karen. So you may not know that you may look on the outside and judge me from the inside, but you may not judge my uh, judge me from the outside, but you may not be judging my inside because I have the I have the legislative experience. And you may not get that if you just looking at my good looks or my bad looks. So that's what we have in the and you hit it right in the head, Rick. You hit it right in the head when you said uh, it's not a beauty contest, and I know it's not because our country's in trouble, and we don't need to be sending somebody up there with good looks. Yeah, and 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 to and reiterate, I was shocked that that this has never been discussed, and the reason why I'm shocked is because as a, a person who is a consultant who worked uh, three levels below the CEO of a Fortune 500 company in California. Uh, you know, I was paid to to analyze stuff and, and paid to, you know, uh, find problems and, and more importantly, offer solutions. So when I see all these candidates running across 
in different states and even in your local area, you know, I listen to what they say and what they say has has no comparison, uh, Mr. Ruben Young, to what you say and what you know. So that was one of the things that caught my attention, even like two or three years ago uh, when it came to these political candidates. And I'm not trying to disparage uh, any of them because everybody comes from someplace. Uh, when you run for office, maybe you were an auto mechanic, maybe you were a nurse, maybe you were a, a retail store manager. But this but this position of being one hundred one of the 435 Congress people uh, or House of, Rep- House of Representative members is a very, very, very important role. We can't have rookies. We can't have people uh, on training wheels on day one and, and them getting there to the position because they look good. This is not a Ken and Barbie contest. So I just want to let uh, listeners know that uh, you have uh, you have uh, you're, you're going to capitalize on what you consider your frog with the hat look. And soon on your website, we, we're going to have uh, T-shirts and hats of a frog wearing a hat carrying a U.S. flag and I, I recommend and, and highly uh, want to let people know if you want to send a message to candidates and to voters and to the public and to these these big time consulting firms that seem like they look for the most attractive candidate I want listeners to go out and purchase this shirt and this cap as a, as a fundraiser to let people know and send that message that it's it's substance that counts. It's not that you look like Ken and Barbie, that you look like uh, 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 Jennifer Lopez or or Denzel Washington or somebody like that. We need people who have experience in the in the, in the Congress. So yeah, so I want to just make sure that people uh, uh, you know find this this shirt and this cap, and they can find it at, at ryoungforcongress.com. So Ruben, here's my next subject. Okay, now we were talking about some of these, uh, like the November 2020 election a little bit. And then in the state of Georgia, they had a runoff between, I think, four candidates. They had two Democrat candidates and two Republican candidates. And the person that was sort of um, uh, doing some things to to increase the votes or to, to get more votes or to promote the runoff, her name was Stacey Abrams. And I think she's an attorney, if I'm correct. Please talk about what happened there. Okay, okay. So when when they was having these uh, so-called special election, you know, we had the primary, we had the early voting, then we went to the general. And I was uh, reading, and I spent my time reading the, the Georgia Code, and I spent my time reading the Georgia uh, State Constitution. And when those candidates that they ran. Uh, in the general election, and those candidates was about tied. Uh, Attorney Stacey Abrams uh, took t- took the platform, took to the floor, and she had began encouraging new voters. She had began encouraging new registered voters within that state. She had been encouraging people to move into the state, and and, and she was also promoting this on her social media platform. So, you know, after, and I'm not a lawyer, don't, don't claim to be a lawyer. I just uh, claim to be someone that have a great understanding. But when I was going to school through, through the public schools from first grade all the way up until the ninth grade, I was an honor student. Pretty much, I got a lot of A's 
uh, I was pretty much the smartest kid in the class. And when I got to college, I was very impressive with the professors of how I, I looked at things. When I was going to, to through paralegal training, my professor asked me to teach the class. He said, because I look at the law in the abstract. I don't look at uh, look look at something the way it is. I go behind the scene and I try to, to look at what's not being said within within the law. So she said I, I had a, a different way of looking and approaching things, and I find that to be quite true. So I took hold of the code Georgia uh, code, and I, and I looked at the Georgia uh, state constitution, and it says that after a general election has taken place, and I'm not, I'm paraphrasing it now. After the general election has taken place, and if there are, if there is a runoff, if there's a runoff election, it states that a runoff election, there's no new voters registration, there's no new encouraging people to get the move into the state. It's only the persons that voted in the general election can vote in the runoff. That's what it stated in the code. Only those persons that voted in the general election can vote in the runoff and what Stacey was encouraging. She was encouraging people to re to register, to vote in that runoff election between those candidates. And that was a violation, in my opinion, that was a violation of the Georgia State Constitution. And that was a violation of the Georgia Code. So I was going back and forth with her on a social media platform, asking her, where did you get your law degree? Because if you all state state that you're a lawyer, and, as a, and a lawyer is, is known when I used to work in the courts in Miami-Dade County. A lawyer is known as an officer of the court. The lawyer holds the same high standards as a as a judge on the bench. And the and the goal is, is to report any wrongdoing that is, is uncovered during a, an attorney investigation of the truth. So she had a, she had a duty. She had a, she took an oath to uphold our law. So I was going back and forth with her and trying to get it why she was encouraging people to do that. Because on a runoff election, that's not a time to promote another uh, early voting election. A runoff election is one day of voting. It's not 14 days of voting. It's one day of voting. That's what a runoff is. Because we went through the we went through the primary process. We went through the general election process, and now we get a runoff between candidates. And and in and, and in that regard, that's a one day event. But they turned it into a they turned it into an event. Where they gave uh, added more days for for voting. They turned it into an event where they brought in registered voters, which that was prohibited by the code as well as their constitution. So, you know, these are the things that I'm saying. We, If we're going to come up with laws because a Republican form of government, America is not a Democratic form of government, it's a Republican form of government. And that means that we are a country that obey our laws and that our government is, is closer to the people. And that's what a Republican form of government is. We must obey the laws that we put in place. Because the violation of one law invalidates all law. And if we're going to be violating our own law, then all those innocent people that we have locked up, we just need to just turn them, turn them loose. Because you can't be here proclaiming to be a representative or proclaiming to be somebody that's supposed to be enforcing the law and you're breaking the law. And then we have all these, there's a lot of innocent people, Rick, locked up in these prisons because I know some of them. Locked up because once the, the system get a hold of you, the post, the post, uh, the the, the, the uh, post conviction 
costs way more than the than the, than the original conviction of hiring someone to defend you. It costs way more money to get a person out of prison when they when the system now uh, found them to be uh, guilty and locked them up, and so pretty much thrown away the key. And these people sitting in these prisons. And this is what I saw with Stacey Abrams: how she's supposed to be the, uh, supposed to be an attorney, supposed to represent and seek the truth, but she was violating, in my opinion. And I'm not an attorney. Don't claim to be. So she was allegedly, in my opinion, violating the Georgia State Code and violating the Georgia State Constitution. And that's and for that reason alone, uh, we need better enforcement throughout throughout uh, throughout our, our states. Well, I'll tell you what. I was in Georgia uh, around December of 2020 when this this special election was going was going on. And I recall, and this is what at least was advertised. This is what was on the news. And you know, you can't trust the news much, but I'm going to say what I heard was that uh, uh, people that were promoting the runoff, and it was uh, some guy and, and some guy named Warnocki and another guy, I can't think of his name. Um, they were encouraging people from other, from, from, from Alabama to come in and register. And like I said, this is what I heard. And this is what was being promoted. So that's that's not a that's not a good thing. And when you mention the word, see, every time I talk to you, I learn something. And I know that we live in a republic, and a lot of times the Democrats say we live in a democracy. But what they're really saying when they use that phrase, we live in a democracy, what they really mean is that there are no rules. Whatever we can, whatever they can come up with to to win no matter how illegal it is, no matter how unethical it is, it's great because it's for the democracy. You know, is, is that yeah. your take? You, you yeah, you know, that's a, now that's a good point because see, when people hear the word democracy or they hear the word democratic, they automatically think that they have some unlimited freedoms. Uh, they have some unlimited freedoms to where they can do pretty much what they want. But there's, 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 uh, you know, there's consequences that goes along with freedom because you can't you have freedom to go into a store and buy goods or, and services but you don't have the freedom to take a weapon in the store and demand these goods uh, these goods and services i mean so where what are the boundaries around the world uh, we were we were known this country was known as having moral authority and it was that it's that moral authority or that doing what is right uh, for the betterment of all mankind uh, doing what is right, they have respect for that. But our country now is no is no better than any of these other third world countries because you, you look at look, look at what's going on today. Uh, where we are, we have people coming here uh, from other countries. Now we don't even talk about citizenship anymore. We don't talk about citizenship versus non-citizenship. The only, the only lingual we hear from people coming to these countries now is that they're either a Democrat. Or they are a Republican. No one mentioned are you a citizen or non-citizen because the Constitution don't, doesn't deal with whether you are in a democracy or whether you are a Democrat or whether you are a Republican. We already know that this is a Republican, a, a, a Republican form of government. That's a government that adhere and obey to its laws, and that's what the world respects because we are the moral authority. Because we don't go out. America at one point did it did it level best to be treated. 
uh, the, be, uh, the spokesperson for the world. But you have now people coming here. Don't they don't like America? They have a they have a hate for America. But they're now able to cover up that hate for America by saying, "I mean, we are in a democracy. I'm a Democrat." And, and but are you a citizen or non-citizen? Because under the citizenship clause, if you are a if you're not a citizen. You should not be running for our elected seats. And that's within any country. Now, I'm American first candidate. And if I'm American first candidate, I'm supposed to ensure that any person that want to seek office or want to serve in our government, that they have a right to serve in our government because they are a citizen. Because under the citizenship clause, under this Republican form of government, this government that's closer to the people, this government that that respect and obey its laws, we have in our constitution, we talks about foreign influences. Now, foreign influences doesn't cover whether or not you are a, a, a Democrat or Republican. Foreign influences covers whenever there's an action taking place that's not recognized by our constitution. That become a foreign influence because it's not known, neither was it placed in our constitution. So we don't talk about whether or not the, that we are now dealing with the art of citizenship in our Republican form of government. We're now dealing with Antifa. We're now dealing with BLM. We're now dealing with anarchy. We're now dealing with all treason. We're dealing with all these things because now we are in a, a democracy and not a Republican form of government. So I, t- I look at this the same exact way as you see it, because this is not a democracy. And the democracy is just a word that they're now using for people to come in and take over this country. And take over this country doesn't doesn't always mean, you know, with a lot of interpretation. Take over this country means not respecting it. Not honoring his flag, not saluting, not 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 uh, uh, being proud of our national anthem. God bless America. When I hear that song, it brings tears to my eyes. And when I see people disrespecting this song or they disrespecting our flag, that flag is representative of who we are. It represents what we have gone through, what this country has gone through, the different wars that we have gone through, and we remain united. No matter what adversity that we face in our Republican form of government, we remain united. The Battle of the Bulge, when the British uh, tried to take out our flag because they got to the point they didn't like to see our, they didn't like our flag flying high like it like it did or like it was, and they kept bombing. They kept bombing the town. They kept bombing the town. But they saw the flag never fell. And and the flip side of that, what people don't know, the reason the flag did not fall, because every time those that was holding up the flag was uh, was injured or killed, somebody else ran and helped the flag up. And somebody else ran and kept the flag up. And no matter what they did, they kept the bombing. They kept the bombing. They kept the bombing. But the flags remained standing. And when it was all over, they saw all these people these 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 mountains of people they saw all these people gathered around that flag although they're now dead but you can see the pole of the flag in their hand and that's why the flag never fell because people sacrificed their lives to ensure that the flag never hit the ground that's right that's how that song ends and the flag was still there that's the meaning and so uh, Ruben Young just gave us the definition of those last few words in the song and the flag was still there 
And just to add to that democracy part, it seems like democracy is defined as who can burn down the, the most cities, not go to jail and intimidate the people for uh, trying to express their constitutional rights. Democracy also means who can shout the loudest, who can uh, have the most people on our interstates to block traffic and not go to jail. So I guess they figure if, the, if you can do something and you don't go to jail, then it must be legal, you know? And that's just what, what I saw uh, back in 2020. And I kind of saw it a little bit out here in California. But my closing comment, I'll let you do some closing comments as well. My closing comment is, you know, small business owners who are listening to the podcast episode, you have the most to lose. So we highly encourage you in the state of Florida, uh, District 23, or, you know, any district that we're, you know, good, uh, you know, fair minded Republicans who have a good platform and you uh, are running, you know, business owners, you have the most to lose because you are you are the, the, the group or the entity entity that provides jobs, provides taxes to the state and, and national government. You keep people employed. You, you you give people paychecks every week or every two weeks so that this country can continue. And you can tell by way, the way that things went down in 2020 and ongoing now, the Democrat Party knows who they need to take out. They need to take out the, the small business owners. They need to have some type of negative thing happen to parents and children with children and grandchildren. They want to keep the communities uh, divided. Um, they want to tear down the Constitution. You see what's happening in Afghanistan. And then finally, they want to make sure as this podcast episode started, that election integrity is a thing of the past. So, Mr. Rubin, what are your closing comments? OK, my, my closing comment is what I've been stating in my five point platform. And I want to encourage your listeners to please, please go to my website, Congress. Dot com. Uh, take a look at my platform. I want to be a strong advocate for our business owners. I want to be a strong advocate for our parents and our grandparents that are seeking a good quality education for their children. I want to stand for uh, election security and an unadulterated constitution because the constitution is our foundation. And if we don't support the language that was written many, many, many years ago, we have lost our country. That constitution is what keeps our country together. And I want to stand for making sure that our communities, we have safe and secure communities. And I want to protect those various rights because I do believe in, uh, I am America uh, first candidate. And I want to ensure and protect our elections. Our elections are important because, you know, it, it, elections to me is like money in the bank. If you allow someone to come in and take away your funds, or uh, steal your funds, then You've been robbed. You've been victimized. And if we let people come in and just steal these election accounts, people to come in, they're not are not really entitled to serve in our election. We have now changed the, our uh, our future because we've gotten people in that has no vested interest in depositing money into your bank account. But they they have vested interest of coming in and taking the money out of your account, and therefore they're uh, they're crippling your economy. They're crippling the future of your children. You know, they're just doing so much by changing our world. Because now, if uh, when 100 years pass, if we don't stand up and protect our constitution, if we don't stand up and protect our country, uh, the people 100 years from now, 
would be in such an awful position. And that was because of what we did not do in our day. And that we allowed their future to be altered because we didn't take the necessary stand to protect them, to preserve and to keep them safe. And so it would be our fault. Any person that allowed, any person that allowed and support what's going on, because the Democratic Party is not the same Democratic Party 50 years ago. The Democratic Party has now been taken over and they're taken over by foreign influences. And it is these foreign influences that a lot of the people are following, just like the Pied Piper. If they're coming in with the flute, they're blowing the flute, and all the children is followed. And then they, then they want to renegotiate of, of you getting your children back from them because they don't take that they've taken the children and they've hidden the children and then for you to get get the, your children back down now they want to negotiate and what they're doing now to our children they're not just dealing with the politics they're dealing with our future they're trying to rob our children of their identity so they now got our children in hostage by the by these mass mandates and enforcing these masks on our children and causing the the greed and contaminated air because you can't breathe through those uh, those masks and all the bacteria lodges within those masks and and these kids are losing their own identity so now now they want to renegotiate with us because they have nothing else to go on and they're talking to the children it's time for us to stand up give me an opportunity let me go to that that house i'm gonna bring something new to this because i believe in enforcing oath of office violation a lot of these they're violating their oath that's a crime under 18 usc 1918 it's time for us to stand and stand strong and stand for the united states of america i'm ruben young i'm taking on debbie washington shows and i'm coming after you debbie i'm coming after you god bless you well, I tell you what, just in closing, for just to add to that, people can go to your website, ryoungforcongress.com. Please donate. Uh, I would say the majority of, of the funds that uh, you receive are for things to communicate with the people. You're not they're out there buying, you know, a Maserati or a Lexus or, 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 or you know, buying income property on, on the beach. You're out there trying to save America. And if you do go to Ruben Young or ryoungforcongress.com, Please subscribe to our newsletter. There's a uh, there's a newsletter that is produced uh, twice a month that has the latest updates with the Team Ruben Young campaign, and that's all I got. My name is Rick Napier, the founder of Real People USA, and uh, for Ruben's uh, website once again is R Young for Congress, and that's all I got. Ruben, you have a great day. I pr- I'm, I'm Ruben Young, and I approve this message. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Rick. Thank you.